So let's get real with Straight Up Veronica Radio, a place where I can talk to myself or millions of other people, but it's going to happen. Nurse Veronica's advice statement and perpetual ranty behavior is going to take the ranty part down a few notches for this second podcast to talk about the deepest secret nobody knows. You will want to listen to the end because that's where the magic is and the secret is revealed. A story about synchronicity, Sam I Am, two runaways, a fire extinguisher, a police car, and a tree. Oh, and hashtag, what would Sam say? Now, let's begin. My intro. Although the presence of Sammy is gone, Sammy's soul is here to carry on. Some of us here on this earth will get to experience more times with him when he allows his spirit to show up. Ask for him and he will be there, as he always said, in the universe. But that's another podcast. I know he passed peacefully. I know with all of that witty genius inside of him came an equal torment that was not caused by anyone on earth. It was just there. Sam is in pain. Sam is alone. Sam is tired. Sam is bored. Sam is Sam. Sam is everyone and no one in one. Sam is back. I remember spending hours with him talking when he ran away. I sat with him and my son and just listened to him. I assured his mom, Kelly, that there was no ill will to her. In fact, he wanted her to have peace, and he hated himself right at that moment because he knew that he was a cause of her torment. He knew this because she wasn't just his mom. She and he were and are soulmates. First verse. Kelly and I would laugh and cry together because our sons would take turns running away so that they could receive some extra love and attention they both craved. Christian, my son, ran away and walked on over. Yeah, he walked to their house, of course using the train tracks, so that I couldn't find him. I got a call from Kelly saying, you know, hey, he's with me. Just send the insulin. He's staying with me for a few days. I had no choice. I just had to listen. I knew she was one of the only people I would trust to take care of my son. My son Christian had type 1 diabetes since he was about 3. Pre-chorus. Sam and Christian knew each other since before my son Christian was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes type 1. They both attended Hyde Park Day School, where they must have been about 2 or 3. They were best friends. These boys were inseparable on a daily basis from that time on and uh, throughout high school, band, after school care in their spare time, and even after high school until Sam moved. They spent almost every single day together for about 15 or 16 straight years and remained friends even after that throughout their lives. My son Christian had the best of both worlds because his other best friend was Austin, who became Sam's brother along the way. Christian also got to enjoy the other siblings when he went over to Sam's house, including Jesse, Emily, and Aubrey, and the whole gang. All of the kids would spend time together, including John. I was always called John and Sam's second mom because they were always with me too. Here comes the chorus. Now John, 
Sam, and Christian had some adventures together. While there were always the train tracks, what we nowadays would call a meditation center, (laughs) there were memoratic moments that only those three, plus Kelly and I, would share. They wanted to keep us on our toes. There are a few highlights of John, Sam, and Christian, you know, the chorus, that stand out. Bridge. Besides Sam and Christian's runaways and train track days, two of these moments involved, one, a police car experience, and two, a fire extinguisher. Because of the police car moment and Kelly's witty brain, that time, which I'll explain later, will happen to be my son's alibi when detectives came to me about another event that Christian was not involved in. While I am writing this at 5.55 a.m., yes, note, 5.55 a.m., Sam made sure to have a police siren in the background. Even though I live on Harbor Island, let me explain. In the 12 years that I have lived here, I have never, ever heard a police car or have even seen one where I live. You see, he just doesn't want me to tell the fire extinguisher story because it's all about him. He wants me to tell the police car story first. But no, Sam, you know me. That fire extinguisher story is epic, and it will always be told first. Second verse. So now, it's 6.05 a.m., and he is finally allowing me to tell the story. The boys, the chorus, John, Sam, and Christian were, you know, walking around Harbor Island. And while they were on the docks, they realized that there was an expired fire extinguisher on the docks, as they said, just sitting there. Hey, you know, Mom, some kid could come across it and get hurt, they said. So they did the only thing they could do. They took it and brought it home. I walked upstairs to check on the boys, and I noticed this huge fire extinguisher there. While I was listening to their explanation, I noticed that the fire extinguisher was expired. Hence, why it was sitting on the docks. For replacement. Anyway, I explained how they were going to take it to security and let security know how it got into their possession. I walk out of the room, and a minute later... I hear this very loud noise. I run upstairs and the entire room is engulfed. I mean engulfed with white powder everywhere. But guess who was wearing most of it? Yes, you guessed it, Sam. I couldn't keep a straight face. Although it looked like a war zone, I was then worried about Sam having ingested it and what would happen. As a nurse, I couldn't quite recall what happens when you get fire extinguisher inhalation, probably because I never ever encountered it in the ER. I do know what the term fighting fire with fire means in my mind now. Sam was just listening to mom and had picked up the fire extinguisher to take it back and the pen happened to come out and it went off. He was just trying to make it right. So my only response was, well, kids, I guess you were right. Some kids could get hurt with this fire extinguisher. Now, let's call your mom, Sam. John's mom was never called. Once those boys cleaned up, we brought that thing back to security. They cleaned up the room, and we forgot about it. It was just another day in their life. So this past year, I pulled the carpet up to replace it, 
and there was a heap of white powder under there. I didn't know what it could be from, and then it came to me recently. Framada, Sammy and the fire extinguisher. It's 6.26 a.m. now, and the sirens have stopped. So let's tell the police car story. Here comes the chorus. You know, John, Sammy, and Chris were this time at John's aunt's house on Bayshore. John lived in a separate sleeping quarters behind his aunt's house. John's uncle is a trauma one level trauma surgeon and was on call. This means under no circumstances could he be woken up. So you already know this story ends with him being woken up by the police. Third verse. So Christian, with his type 1 diabetes, decides he needs a snack. He needs to eat according to his glucose levels. John was sleeping, and Sam and Chris know that they can't get into the house. So they decide to walk to the store to get some snacks. You know, Sam wanted to accompany Christian so he wouldn't be alone on his journey. A police car was patrolling the area looking for someone who was reported as armed and dangerous. Who do the police find? You got it. Sam and Christian. They pick them up and call Sam's mom and me. My husband and I were in Boston, and we remembered the time because we had to board an early flight that morning. I spoke to Kelly, and she says, Don't worry, girl. I've got this. She's the mom this time, and I know they are safe in her arms. I tell her to make sure they learn their lesson and that she is more than welcome to keep them because by this time, I'm pretty upset. I told her not to give Christian back to me. You see, the police did not pick them up because they were in trouble. They picked them up because they looked like two sitting ducks for this armed and dangerous person to harm them. Even when they are in trouble, they are little angels. Kelly knew we wanted these boys to learn their lesson. She asked the police officers to, okay, so I hear police sirens again now to drive the boys around the block to scare them. Okay, so Sam is coming through again with these police sirens while I'm trying to write this all down. He really likes this story. It's 6.55 a.m. They came back to the house after they went around the block, and they then insisted on knocking on the trauma surgeon's door. And guess who wasn't allowed to spend the night anymore? Yep, Sam and Chris. So remember, when I told you that Kelly saved my son from being arrested? Well, here's how she saved him. I get this visit a few weeks later, after this incident, by two detectives at my business door looking for my son. They found my son's phone at the scene of a crime. My son was at his dad's house before this incident, and he had lost his phone while walking his dad's dog. Remember, I was out of town. All of this is happening while I'm out of town. The detectives had found his phone at one of the homes that was vandalized by spray paint. Someone had vandalized his dad's neighborhood with graffiti everywhere. They were sure that they had found their guy. Mom out of town for the weekend, young kid with nothing to do. Well, there was one problem with their story. When I asked what day and time this happened, it so happened when John, Sam, and Christian were at his aunt's house. And so I realized that Kelly had saved my son when these boys were picked up. It was the same time. 
I gave the detectives the police officer's phone number and told them that my son's alibi was that he was in the back seat of a police car in South Tampa at the same time the vandalizing was occurring in Brandon. My father-in-law told me to help the detectives by letting them know that they should check the cameras in nearby stores. They were not old enough to even buy spray paint at the time that this happened. Evidently, there is an age limit for that. They would find their artist. The next day, I was watching TV, and they caught them on camera. Here's the coda. So that's how Sam and Christian's experience in the backseat of a police car saved my son from being in trouble for a mass tort and actually getting arrested. Oh, and I got that phone back immediately. Leave it to these boys to come up with the craziest things. It's 7.11 a.m. Hey, maybe that's where they were going that day. Sam, we love you. You will always be my son, and I will always be your proud second mama. You gave me love, laughs, and that's what this life is all about. You will always be in my heart. John and Christian will miss you. Now Sam is with I am. Sam, you are the tree. We are the leaves on different branches of the same tree. We are never alone. Each of our lives matter greatly. Faith is believing in the unseen order of things. That's by Laura Lynn Jackson. Here's a poem by E.E. E. Cummings called, I Carry Your Heart With Me. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I'm never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant, and whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. The deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root, and the bud of the bud, and the sky of the sky, of a tree called life, which grows higher than soul can hope, or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Poem by E.E. E. Cummings, called I Carry Your Heart With Me. Foam. It isn't the end. He is still here with us. For when you go to the beach and see the waves spiraling into each other and interacting with each other, what's left after the frolicking is foam on the shore. The foam consists of little bubbles, and those little bubbles from the foam lets you know that we are still present even after. Our consciousness is what we are and always will be, not our bodies. It isn't the end. He is still here with us. Sam is here, and Sam is home. I believe this. We do not lose our identity as we advance to a new way of being. In soul form, we retain wisdom of earthly lessons learned, as well as the best aspects of our personhood. This transition holds promise for becoming an improved version of our old self. In short, I believe wholeheartedly that our consciousness outlives our physical form. You don't need a body to exist. You will still be you. Some of that comes from The Secret Language of Spirit by William Stillman. 
Sam, I just finished reading from this book and it says that not only is our soul energy unique, it is also indestructible and inextinguishable. You are inextinguishable. We know this already because you already proved that once when the fire extinguisher went off. Well, Sam, I am. You are now with the great I am. We also know this already. Everyone will find signs in their life from loved ones we've lost. Whether it's the color red, a piece of music, a small little piece of art, five cardinals in a tree, or even just a tree. If we just listen, listen, watch, smell, see, or ask, they will be there. The deepest secret nobody knows is that we never die. We are not our bodies. We are made up of soul and spirit, and we are consciousness. We can see everything in the universe at once and everyone in it. We are home. Dying isn't the end. Sam did not die. Sam is here, and Sam is home. <laughs>